Hey, everybody. I'm Jen Garrett, internationally recognized branding consultant and best-selling author of the books, Move the Ball and Dominate the Game. By having a relentless mentality, I've pushed boundaries and gotten into rooms with pro athletes and power players, built a successful business, and moved the ball in male-dominated industries. Now, I'm using my same of the ball methodology to help thousands of people dominate their game when it comes to their brands and creating opportunities. This podcast is all about uncovering strategies of the world's best athletes and business leaders to help you get to that next level. Join me in conversations that will elevate your hustle and get you across the goal line. It's time to suit up, to show up, and to move the ball. Hello, and thank you for joining me today. I'm excited to have you back for another episode. Real quickly, if you haven't already done so, be sure that you follow the podcast on whatever platform you are listening to the show on, and also be sure to share the show with some friends, family, colleagues, and coworkers too. Today, you are going to hear my conversation with John Miles, who, like me, is a podcast host. He hosts a very popular show called Passion Struck. Also similar to me, John worked in multiple Fortune 50 companies, serving in senior executive positions with companies such as Dell and Lowe's. He's also served in the military, and John was a naval officer. On the show, we discuss John's career progression, his transition from the military to corporate, things that he did to differentiate and separate himself to move the ball, including the importance of intentionality, why collaboration is important, mapping out your career progression, and more. This is a conversation I know you will get so much out of. You ready? Let's go. John, it is so great to have you here inside the huddle with us today. I'm really excited to chat with you. How are you doing? Jen, it's a true honor to be on the podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me on your great show. Well, you've got such an incredible background, John, and you're just doing amazing things. And I just wanted to bring you on because I know we're going to have a great conversation. And we have so many things in common. First, we both host podcasts. You have a very well-known podcast, and we'll talk about that on the show. You and I also have served. My listeners know that I'm still serving as an Army lawyer. You are a former Navy information warfare officer, so we'll talk about your military service as well. And we both worked in Fortune 50 executive leadership, so so many different things that we've done in common, never crossed paths in those domains, but we're going to have a great chat today. So the first question for you, John, is are you ready to move the ball? I am always ready to move the ball. Nothing happens in life without taking action. I love that. And I'm glad you mentioned that because something that I talk about, oh, you also have a book that is coming up that we'll talk about as well. And my listeners know that I've authored a few books. And in my first book, Move the Ball, which is what started this whole movement, I talk about how we have to be the quarterback in our own lives and we have to be responsible for driving that forward ball movement. So I'm glad that you're always staying ready and that doesn't surprise me. So what I want to talk about first is I was in Fortune 50 senior leadership in my 20s, and there were a lot of things that I did because I recognized that need to take action and to do things to separate myself and differentiate myself in terms of the value that I brought and also just what I was doing to stand out so that I could have those advancement opportunities. As you look across the span of your career, what are some of the things that you did to really help you to excel and navigate your career progression? One of the most fundamental things that has always been a priority in my career has been a deep study of leadership and understanding things such as extrinsic motivation and intrinsic motivation, and how do you empower people around you to perform at their peak 
and empower them to excel by exceeding even things that they thought were beyond their expectations. So that leadership journey began actually when I was young and throughout high school. And it was a major reason why I pursued going to the Naval Academy and going into the military because I thought that path created the best opportunity to enter a leadership laboratory and school that would then serve me the rest of my career and life, which it has done. So I think that is one of the most fundamental things that has gotten me to where I am at this point in life. People know that the military, all the services really promote leadership and training their officers to be great leaders. And so when you look at your time at the academy as well as post the academy, what are some of the things that you really learned from your time in service in terms of being a great leader? The first thing is that no one can accomplish anything on their own. Collaboration, teamwork, is vital to accomplishing anything that you want out of life. There was no way I could have gotten through plebe summer or going to the Naval Academy if it wasn't for my classmates. There was no way I would be successful on a mission if it wasn't for my teammates. So collaboration was an extremely important aspect of it. Another thing was core values. And that is something that I was taught growing up from my father and my grandfather but was also really instilled in us at the Naval Academy was the importance of having these core values in your life that served as your North Star, your guiding post that when you were making decisions, whether it was in the heat of the battle, in the boardroom, or just even in mundane moments, that you would always rely on your core values to help guide you into making the best decisions possible. And I would say another thing that I, I really learned is the power of intentionality. I love Angela Duckworth's book, Grit. But one thing that I witnessed when I read it is she starts out talking about West Point and her analysis of why cadets were successful. And she rightly brings up that passion and perseverance are two very critical components of it. But as I myself was going through a similar journey, those two made up two sides of the triangle. The one side that was missing was intention. Because if you're not intentional about the actions that you're taking every single day towards that passion, towards aiming that perseverance towards where you want to go, you're not going to get to the goalposts that you're trying to reach. And so I think those were some of the things that I've really used as core foundations to building my career, whether it was in the military as a Fortune 50 senior executive, as a big four management consultant in private equity, or now as an entrepreneur and a podcaster. Well, I think all of the things that you talk about are so important. It takes a team to move the ball, as I like to always say, and recognizing that you don't accomplish anything on your own. There's always people that are helping you either they're doing little things or doing a lot of things to help you to continue to get you closer to the goal line. And the collaboration piece, one of the things that 
I did a lot of when I was in corporate was I was always considering, and I talked about this on another show of this podcast, is it's always maintaining the bigger picture and looking at inclusivity, meaning who are the other stakeholders that you should be bringing in to work through whatever it is you're working on. Because sometimes people, oftentimes people are so siloed and thinking about their small piece and they're forgetting the bigger picture. But when you look at that larger viewpoint and consider all the people that are in the puzzle working on that thing and working through their perspectives and then potential conflict and all that, that's going to help you to achieve that objective and be more proactive at it versus just ignoring those other things and then oh, I'll handle that if it comes up later. So that collaboration and inclusivity is key. And it's something that I also was always mindful of as I was in Fortune 50 organizations. Now, John, you were in the Navy for many years, and then you made the transition beyond the uniform, and you went into a number of different large organizations. Talk to us about that journey. How was that transition for you? Yeah, before I get into that, I just wanted to mention on the topic we were just talking about, you did a great interview with Jeff Garcia, the Pro Bowl, former quarterback for the 49ers. And one of the things I loved about his story was how he talked about when he got his opportunity with the 49ers. He was a backup to Steve Young and I think Joe Montana at that time, and both of them had gone down an injury. And he got his shot, but then he started to get ahead of himself, and he ended up getting benched. And it was through that period of getting benched that he really dug deeply and understood he couldn't do it on his own, and he had to do it by relying on his teammates to help him be successful. But more importantly, not trying to be Steve Young. He needed to be Jeff Garcia. And I think that was such an important lesson that combined with this teamwork, we can't try to be someone else. We need to exploit our own uniqueness in the service of others. And I just wanted to highlight that point as well. And when it comes to my career, the reason I actually got out of the military was because my last duty station, I was working for the Joint Interagency Task Force overseeing the interdiction of narcotics. And I was fortunate enough on that flag staff to have representatives from NSA, CIA, FBI, Customs, DEA, you name it. And so during that tour, I was approached by a number of these different agencies to come and apply. And I ended up making the decision to do so, applied with a number of them and actually accepted an appointment to become a special agent with the FBI. And then I think things in life hit you unexpectedly. And that's exactly what happened here. I remember getting out of the military. I was out for maybe a day or two, was supposed to report to Quantico the following week. And my detailer gives me a call completely out of the blue and says, I have some unfortunate news for you. Congress hasn't passed the spending bill, and out of precaution, we are recycling classes, and yours is one that has been recycled. And so all of a sudden, I went from having this very clear career path to it being very, very uncertain because you told me that that class could be recycled in 18 months, or it could be three to four years. And so with a wife and at that point, a child on the way, I had to take immediate action. And so that's what I did. And I ended up luckily finding an opportunity at Booz Allen where I was able to land softly, but then have a profound impact 
from the experiences and their methodologies and everything else that I learned from them. I like that you talk about how things can happen. I mean, life happens to all of us, right? Things come completely unexpected. And in those moments, we have to not just get stuck in amongst all the negative emotions that we might be feeling. We need to figure out, okay, what's next? Where are we going to go? What's the next play going to be? This thing didn't work out, but I can't remain stuck in that state. And so when you made that transition to Booz Allen Hamilton, how did you, were you just applying online or were you leveraging your network? How did you get that opportunity? Well, when I got out of the service, there really wasn't the internet. The only place we had the internet was in the service. And we were using that on the NSA channels and DARPA, et cetera, to communicate. But there wasn't the ease that we have today. And so, as you know, from talking to many people who are in the military, when they transition, it wasn't then and it still isn't now an easy process where you are hand guided in this next journey of life. And so I took the initiative myself to ascertain this huge book that was probably six, 700 pages long. That was a combined collection of every graduate of any of the service academies. And I just started to randomly go through it, writing letters and calling people. And that's how I ended up with, at the end of the day, four different opportunities that I could have pursued through that networking that I did, but the one at Booz Allen tended to give me the best opportunity to leverage my background that I had coming out of the military and to apply that in the realm of information security so I could hit the ground running when I joined them. And as you know, there are a lot of differences in the way a military organization runs and large corporate for-profit organizations. And also a lot, I work with a lot of military service members who are, have transitioned. And one of the things that they struggle with is not knowing how to advance in your corporate career, because in the military, you're told, okay, you need to be in this time and grade for so long, and you need to get these schoolings knocked out. And when the time is right, then you can promote to that next rank. And in the corporate environment, it's not like that. It's really up to you to figure out your career path. And it's very different. There's not that structure, if you will. And so how was your transition into the corporate space? Did you find that it was easy for you to navigate and to continue your upward mobility? Or did you kind of struggle with that different dynamic? That was never a struggle for me. I was always laser focused on the different achievements that I wanted to undertake. And so I have always done a future self exercise where I write a resume to myself with what I would like it to appear like five years into the future with the different jobs that I would hold and ideally where I would hold them. And so it's something I've done ever since I, I left the military and it has served me well because when you set goals for that and I typically put this in a place that I can see it where I work daily. You align yourself towards achieving those things that you set out for yourself. And by having it there as a daily reminder, it sets the daily intention, at least for me, be extremely deliberate about the micro choices that I'm making throughout the day so that they are in alignment to where I want my career to go. Now, I will tell the listener that everyone is going to run into failures. Everyone is going to run into adversity. And I have had more than my share. A great example of this is after I left Booz Allen, I ended up taking a role 
at Arthur Anderson, where I was the practice leader for the Southwest for their information security practice and was leading the national vulnerability practice for the firm. And things were going very well. I had opened up another practice, had one of the fastest growing ones in the firm. And then out of the blue, Enron hits the firm. And literally within a matter of two to three weeks, my entire book of business, most of the partners and practice leaders at the firm evaporated. And so I was then again faced similar to when I left the military of having to make a choice. And that choice was, I felt I had learned enough from being in the consulting realm. I'll relate this to the corporate world. Being a consultant like I was at Arthur Anderson gave me a great opportunity to work at everything from startups to mid-market companies, all the way to behemoths like ExxonMobil, BMC Software, Halliburton, and others that I got the opportunity to be a part of. And so that exposure gave me a really deep underpinning of how these different companies and different industries worked. And what I realized as I transversed them is that regardless of what industry you're in, 80 to 85% of the problems that they were encountering, regardless of size, were all the same. And so with that backdrop, it really propelled me forward, knowing that it really didn't matter what industry I was going into, because I could always learn the aspects of the industry. It was knowing that I could go into a different opportunity and that the problems I would see would be ones that I have seen before. And so I made that transition from Arthur Anderson, and I didn't have, outside of the military at that point, a lot of international experience. So I really knew if I was going to be a Fortune 50 executive someday, I had to get that international experience. And so I purposely went to recruiters with that goal and ended up taking a role with a company called Lendlease, which was headquartered in Australia and operated in in 40 plus countries. And I became their first chief information security officer and head of risk. And it was by deliberately putting myself in that position and then imagining where I wanted to go then on that path to CIO that I was able to make deliberate choices in the roles that I selected and intentionally went for to get me closer to that goal. So I went from chief information security officer to then leading global infrastructure for Lendlease, where I turned around the complete information management program, data centers for the firm. And that opened a door for me to get an unlikely opportunity to join Lowe's. Lowe's Home Improvement had just undergone the largest, at that point, hacking attack of any retailer in American history. And these attackers had exploited a vulnerability in an access point in one of the stores and had managed to get all the way to the general ledger in the mainframe. And so I was hired to run operations, but also to completely reestablish the entire information security framework and how we were approaching security from a defense and death perspective. And so by cleaning up that, it then opened the door for me to then bridge out into application development, then becoming the chief data officer, and then 
parlaying that into an opportunity when it became available to become a chief information officer at Dell, which was the pinnacle of where I wanted to be before I was 40. So it was really looking at that end goal and backing up and taking the opportunities and being deliberate about the choices that I was making that allowed me to eventually reach that mark that I had aspired to achieve. And there's a few things I like that you talk about, the intentionality. You've talked about intention and intentionality right now and then earlier in our show as well. And I think that's so important is when you are focused and you have a plan instead of just being random, obviously you're going to achieve more success because all of the actions that you take are with purpose versus just seeing how the day goes and taking things as they come. The other thing I think it's important that you mentioned was that you were looking at your future state five years ahead from a career standpoint and identifying what are the things that I need to do to be able to get to those positions. That's something I actually did a two-part navigating and accelerating your career series on the show where I talked about 10 things that I did when I was in my 20s to get to Fortune 50 senior leadership. And that was part of it as I looked at, okay, what are the things that I need to obtain in my experience set so that I can continue to progress up the corporate ladder in the direction that I want to go. So I think it's very important. And for listeners, that would be a takeaway for you is identify where is it that you want to go in the next few roles and what are the things that you need to do to be able to get there? That doesn't mean you always need to go look for a new job to gain those experiences. Something else that I talked about was you can look at gaining some of those skills in your current position. So it doesn't always need to be a job move to be able to get some of those experiences, but also by having that plan and knowing, okay, these are the things that I need to get to position me to X, that's going to help you get you there quickly because you're focused and you're intentional with the things that you're spending your time on and the projects you're looking to undertake. In addition to your scope that you have, you got to execute on your job as well. But if you can carve out some other projects or things to be involved in to help gain you some other experiences, that's always a good thing. So John, I want to talk about Passion Struck now. And you've got an incredible podcast that's just interviewing some amazing people. Jesse Awuji is one of those people who also went to the Naval Academy who I've had on the show who's just fantastic. But tell us about first, how did you come up with the name? And then talk to us about why you wanted to start the podcast. So as I was going through my corporate career, I kept on having this inner voice that was telling me that what I was doing was fine, but it wasn't my true calling. And I didn't know how to respond to this because my career was going really well and I wasn't understanding the messages that I was receiving because what I was being told was that you are destined to go out and help the beaten, bored, broken, battered of the world was the message that I kept getting. And I kept sitting on that saying, how in the world am I supposed to do that? And why those people? And what do those words even mean? Because if I were going to go create a calling card, I certainly want, wouldn't want to say, I'm the person who solves the problems for beaten, battered, bored, and broken people. No one would buy it. And so I started over a period of four or five years, in part trying to explore it, but in another part, ignoring it. And I think the universe does something to you when you ignore the calling that you were supposed to serve. And that is exactly what happened to me. And I started to face trauma and adversity 
and life changes like I had never seen before. And so it finally culminated in me really taking a couple of years where I really did a lot of inner work, self-exploration. And I came out of that realizing that if you look at this another way, there are so many people around the world right now who are disengaged in their life. They're bored with their jobs. They don't feel meaning and purpose in what they're doing. People feel apathetic to the world around them. There's nihilism everywhere we look, and more and more people feel lonely and hopeless about what's going on. And so I turned this around and discovered that what I really need to be doing is helping people learn how to live a limitless life by inspiring them, giving them hope, meaning, and connection that there is a destiny for them. There is an opportunity for them to make the choice to live the life that they have always wanted to make. And so the way I approached that was through starting to examine different titans from different industries, whether that was from the corporate world or the consulting world, which I had come from, the sports world, like you have a number of guests on, the academia world, actors, etc. And really understanding if I could see commonalities on what causes people to break out and achieve the tsunami of greatness. And on the inverse side, what causes people to encounter a waterfall of despair? And it was through that analysis that I began writing this book, which has now become passion struck. But at the time, I didn't really have a name for it. I just knew that it was really about how do you teach people the philosophies that I employed in my own life and that I found in common by observing hundreds of leaders that were performing at the top of their respective fields. And so when I had written this initial draft of the manuscript, I took this to a number of literary agents. And at the time, they said, well, you don't really have a compelling title for it. How do you even know that this is going to even be acknowledged by people, that people are going to lean into it, that they're going to find any value at all? And so at the time, it was during COVID, and you couldn't really public speak, which is what they wanted me to do. So I went through about six months of researching and soul searching and ended up deciding that the podcast would be the best way to do it. Well, ironically, during that six-month period, I had a conversation with a mentor of mine, Keith Crotch, who's the former CEO of DocuSign, was recently the Assistant Secretary of State, someone I've known for 25 years and who over my career has guided me. And I started to describe to him what I would see in people like himself, people like General Colin Powell or General McChrystal or Wayne The Rock Johnson or Oprah or Derek Jeter or Bono the singer or Sean Springs the football player or Navy SEALs. And when I described to him what I saw and the behavior that all of them had undertook, he said, you were describing someone who has become unstuck from their burdens and has become passion struck. And I have to tell you, Jen, it just was this light bulb went off. And 
after our conversation, I immediately went to GoDaddy and I said, there is no way on earth that passion struck is going to be available to buy. And I bought it for $9.99. And it just sparked this inner flame inside me that I knew this was the direction. This is what God wanted me to do. And then I started the podcast and probably similar to you, like most podcasters at first, it was very disheartening because you think when these things start that all of a sudden you're going to have thousands of listeners and get tens of thousands of downloads. And it just wasn't the case. And the people that I was expecting to promote it the most, family and friends, were actually not helping at all. And so I went through this period of, am I even doing the right thing here? And then over time, as I really leaned into not trying to emulate some of the podcasters that I really admired, but saying the same thing that Jeff Garcia did, that instead of trying to be Joe Montana or Steve Young, in my case, instead of trying to be Jay Shetty or Andrew Huberman or Rachel Hollis, or you name it, I became myself and started being vulnerable about the stories that I was sharing and started to interview guests and speak on the podcast through the lens of being passion struck, everything started to change. And that's when the hockey stick started to, to happen. And you know, 27 months later, uh, we achieved 10 million downloads, which just showed me that everything that I was trying to do with the book, with this movement, with the podcast, with the whole brand is resonating with people. Absolutely. And congratulations again. I mean, a great accomplishment to have over 10 million downloads. And you're right. I mean, when you first start something out, it doesn't always take off as quickly as we would like it to. And that can be discouraging. And the people that push through that and are consistent, and the title of my latest book is called Dominate the Game, How Life Changes When You Show Up. When you show up the right way and you consistently work on the things that you need to, in this case with a podcast, you're showing up you're having conversations, there's vulnerability, you're serving an audience, then you're going to start to see things change. And that hockey stick is going to happen and the magic happens, but it's that consistency. It's that continually showing up and doing what you are meant to do. And you're going to see the results. People talk about trusting the process a lot. I mean, you just have to keep at it and you're going to see the results. So I think that's amazing. And I love the story. I love the name as someone that does a lot of branding work with people. I think it's a fantastic, it's just one of those phrases that just invokes positive emotion, right? Passion struck. I love it. And so I think it's a great title and I love your podcast. I think you're doing amazing work. I can't wait for the book to come out. You're currently doing pre-orders and we will have a link in the show for the book. And so let us, I know when it's going to come out, but you tell us when it's going to come out and a little bit more about it. Yeah. Thank you very much for that opportunity. So the name of the book is Passion Struck. 12 Powerful Principles to Unlock Your Purpose and Ignite Your Most Intentional Life. And it will be coming out February 6th, 2024. It is already up for pre-order. And what I do throughout the book is it has three main sections. I introduce something called the Passion Struck Framework. And in the first section of the book, I go through six mindset changes that all of these peak performers that I have researched undertake. And then in the second section of the book, I go through six behavioral changes that I observe them making. 
And in each of these chapters, what I do is I introduce the different mindset shift or behavioral shift that they take. I then go into the psychology or the behavioral science behind it. I delve into a personal story of how it's manifested in my own life and help me on my own path. Then I introduce people I have either interviewed on the podcast or outside of the podcast. Some of them are very famous people. Some of them are everyday heroes, as I like to say. And I go through their stories to amplify how they have used this shift in their life. And then I conclude each chapter by then applying it to how you can take the lessons learned and apply it in your own life and then give exercises at the end of each chapter with a QR code to a short video that I do in each one that goes into a little bit more depth of the meaning and significance of the chapters. And then in part three of the book, I really go into what I call the psychology of progress, because I think there are a lot of books that are out there that lay out a framework or an approach, but there are a few less that really go into how do you take this from being something you read to something that you live? And so in the third portion of the book, I really go into how do you take these teachings and then put them into practical use in every day of your life and why it's so critical that you do so. And one of the things that I introduce is a process that I've been using over 20 years now called the deliberate action process that I have found works extremely well for me, both in my professional life and when I apply it in my personal life. And so I go through that as well and how you would employ it in your own life. Oh, I like it. I think it's fantastic. I really like the fact that you have the exercises at the end of the chapters, as well as the QR code, because I think a lot of people read different books or they watch videos or they they do things in terms of personal development, but it's the application. It's what have you learned and how can you apply it to your own situation? And that part, people tend not to do as much of because life is busy. Everyone's got other things they're doing. And so I like that you have exercises that people can then use to try to really make it work for them versus just giving them the theoretical information. So I think that's great. And like I said, we'll have a link in the show notes so people can check out your book and pre-order it. And I can't wait for it to come out in February. So John, what we're going to do now is we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, We're going to have some fun. I'm going to ask you some questions as part of my two-minute drill. We'll be right back. Hey, have you moved the ball in your own life today? If you're working toward your dream job, a new personal record, or a bigger salary, you need a plan to consistently make progress. That's why I wrote Move the Ball and Dominate the Game. These books are packed with strategy and easy-to-implement tips on gaining clarity of your goals, developing your own personalized playbook for success, pushing your boundaries of comfortability, and really elevating and dominating. Go to www.dominateandmove.com and enter code DOMINATE2023 for a 20% discount on the bundle. And all books are signed copies as well. Now, let's get back to the show. All right, we are back, John. Are you ready to have me ask you some interesting and fun questions? Sure. Although I will say, hopefully the other questions I've asked have also been interesting already throughout the show, but we're going to have some fun. Yeah, they've been great. Thank you. So the first question is, what three words would you use to describe yourself? Strength of character. Oh, I like that. What is one thing that most people don't know about you? That I won as a team the state championship of cross country when I was in high school. Oh, very nice. 
Would you rather be the world champion of your sport or the CEO of a billion dollar company and why? I think either one can be lonely. I remember when I achieved my dream job of becoming a CEO, it was different than what I expected it to do. Because even though you have a board to answer to, ultimately, all responsibility rests upon you. And I would say the same thing if you're an elite athlete. Now, the thing where I will go with this is I would probably steer more towards being an elite athlete. And the reason I say so is because elite athletes become elite because of the inner work that they do in the unseen hours when no one is watching them. And I think you can apply that to being a CEO as well. But for me, it's that inner work and that inner drive that ultimately will lead to that inner satisfaction long-term more so than it led for me at least into becoming a CEO. So I would lead more towards becoming a master athlete in the field. Okay. Next question is, what book are you currently reading or what podcast are you currently listening to? I just read a book by uh, Scott Jeffrey Miller, who is with Franklin Covey. And he's got a new book coming out called The Ultimate Guide to Great Mentorship. And I just interviewed him yesterday about it. And he goes through 13 roles in that book. And I thought he did a very good job of laying out these in a very simple fashion that anyone could get through in a quick period of time, but more importantly, refer back to when they needed to understand more about being a good mentor and the different roles that you want to take on when you're doing that with a mentee. Great. I'll have to check it out. I have not heard of that book, so I will definitely check that one out. If you could have any one song played at all of your public appearances, what would that one song be? Probably a song that a lot of people have never heard of. There's a song I love by The Cure, who I just happened to see last night in concert called Push. And I love the absolute beginning of that song. And I actually have reached out to Robert Smith to see if he would let me use it on the podcast. And I haven't gotten an answer yet, but I will keep trying because I think it's such an inspiring music rift that would go so well with what I try to convey here on the show. Oh, that would be awesome if he says that you can use it. So I will stay tuned for that. Next question is, what would your next career move be if you were guaranteed to succeed? I would say my next big career move would be to really expand upon what I've been doing with the podcast. I mean, the imminent thing that I have in my sights is this book launch and to try to make that the best I could possibly make it. From there, to do more keynote speaking. But what I would really love to do is to write additional books, additional children's books and comics books that eventually would be adapted into short movies, documentaries, films, all about how do you live a passion-struck life. Ooh, I love it. Next question is, you have 24 hours and a private plane that will take you anywhere. Where are you going? So someplace that I have never been. So I've always wanted to go to Fiji. I'm in due for a vacation. My birthday's coming up, so Fiji would be a great place to visit. Sounds like a great choice. So actually on this podcast, on a recent episode, one of the members of my podcast team interviewed me and I answered these two minute drill questions. And my answer was Fiji. I have been to Fiji. It's a beautiful place and I would love to go back. So I hope you get there sometime soon. I know you will love it. The bonus question is M&Ms, plain or peanut? Oh, definitely peanut. But you know, I recently had one that shocked me. It was a dark chocolate 
espresso with caramel in the middle. And I've only ever seen it once. I only had one package of them. And I have to say, I was savoring each one. I would only eat one a day because they were so good. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I guess M&Ms, it's not just plain or peanut anymore. There's so many different variations. I should reconsider my question. I was actually at the M&M store in New York City a few weeks back, and there's all kinds of M&Ms out there nowadays. So I'll have to check that type out. I've not heard of that one. So thanks for sharing that. So John, as we look to close the show, let people know any final thoughts and also where can people follow you? We'll have all of your social links in the show notes, but let us know where can they keep up with your journey? Yeah, I, I wanted to highlight two things that we talked about. First was you were mentioning in the book how you thought it was important to have the end of chapter exercises. And one thing I think it's important for the listener to understand is that people don't pay for information. A mentor of mine, Rory Vaden, taught me this. People pay for the application of information. And that's why I do so much content distribution and I do it in a random way to give people information. You can listen to as many podcasts as you want or read as many books as you want, but if you don't apply it in your life, it's not going to make any change. The other thing that I think is extremely important is I've had the honor of interviewing both Marshall Goldsmith and Arthur Brooks, and both of them talk about this concept of what got you here won't get you where you want to go in your career. And I would tell the audience that this is something that I experienced firsthand. I thought, here I am on this meteoric rise, youngest vice president at Lowe's, youngest chief information officer at Dell. And what I realized as I was going through it is I had made this beeline basically using my intellect, visionary thinking, book smarts, et cetera, to get me there. And it was so important that I realized that once you reach a certain point, those things are only going to get you so far. And it's other things such as emotional intelligence, adaptability, working with others, whatever they may be, that may be weaknesses that you have to work on that are going to get you to where you want to go in life. And so I think I would leave the audience with those two different things. What got you to where you are today may not get you to where you want to be later on in life. And the other thing would be to look at the information you're presented as a tool, but it does nothing for you unless you apply it to your life and make the deliberate choices to incorporate it into habits that you undertake, starting out small and eventually becoming your own tsunami of greatness. Oh, I love those. I completely agree with both of those points. Something that I mentioned in my Dominate the Game book is with regards to habits too, the habits that you have put into practice today may not be the same habits. They've gotten you to where you are today but they may not be the habits that you need to get you to where you want to go tomorrow. Some of them might be, but it's really just to rethink the things that you're doing because you might need to make some shifts in your life to get to that next step or that next chapter that you're looking to go. So John, thank you so much for being on the show today. It has been a true pleasure. Yes, and Jen, if I could just mention, if people want to learn more about me, they can go to passionstruck.com, johnrmiles.com, where they can pre-order the book or the Passion Struck podcast you can find anywhere on any of the major platforms. Absolutely. We will have those in the show notes again so people can keep up with you and your journey. Go check out your book, submit a pre-order, and I can't wait for it to come out in February. Thanks again to everyone for listening to today's episode. Once again, if you have not already done so, and I say this on every show, make sure you hit that follow button so that you're always in the know when a new episode comes out. And be sure to share the show with some friends too. It's one way that you can help me to move the ball. 
All right, everybody, thanks again. And we will talk to you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thanks for listening to Move the Ball, everybody. If you were inspired by this episode, can you do me a favor and let me know? Go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. And also, share the show with a few friends, too. Next, I want you to go to GetInsideTheHuddle.com and join our email list. This will give you priority access to tips and strategies that will help you get more done today. Not tomorrow, not next week, today. You got that? Okay, until next time.